Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're back and we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 1, Redemption Part 1. How about it? Back at it. Yay. This was a delightfully... I don't want to say star-studded, but, like, it had a lot of characters come back that I was like, oh, we get to see you, and oh, we get to see you, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yay, so I wonder if for the start of the season, they were like, okay, we got to make people feel happy, we got to feel people excited about this, we're just going to bring back (laughs) all the familiar faces that we do have. Yeah, well, okay, so a little interesting thing, so this was when Stargate started airing on the Sci-Fi Channel. This was the first episode of the Sci-Fi Channel series. Uh, So it had left Showtime, moved over to Sci-Fi. This was the first episode, which was only three weeks after the season five finale. Really? Like less than a month after season five ended, season six started, which I like had to like double check that many places because I was like, that, what, no, mm, but yeah. So that was interesting. Hmm. Well, I wonder what sort of impact that would have had on production or anything. Because I would have thought that, like, their production schedule would have remained somewhat the same. It was just aired somewhere else or what do you think about that? I don't I don't know. I couldn't find anything about why that That, time was so short. That journey. Yeah. Well, maybe that's just how they could fit it into their schedule. Possibly, or like, you know, when Sci-Fi bought it, then they were like, we want to start airing it now. So We're so excited about this show. We want it right now. We're going to put you on the schedule here. Um, so <laughs> When can you start? Two weeks notice. <laughs> possibly. You're starting a new job. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't find anything about, yeah, like why that time was so short. Although, in-universe, it's been three months. So, for the characters, it's been three months. For us, it's been like three weeks, which is... Mm. A little weird but okay. yeah so, Usually it's the other way around yeah so I do wonder if because going back to your original point because this was the first episode to air on the new channel there were probably a lot of new viewers who had never seen the show in its showtime iteration so maybe that's why they wanted to bring back like Braytac and Ryak and Dreak and you know all these other people to sort of be like here's who's like, here's our, you know, the main cast, but then here's like all of the other sort of regulars you will see popping up here and there kind of right, a thing. Yeah. Here's the universe as it were. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Hmm. But I like to know they got us to the cliffhanger again. I know. Well, that's, that's what they do. So I will forgive them. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Before we get into season six, we did have some comments on discord about like season five, like in general and thoughts on some things after our wrap up episode. So if we want to get into those real quick, do it. Okay. Uh, from Maverick 84, uh, they say, I had always believed that each Asgard would be re-downloaded into their own clone. Cause I, so I think this was like, uh, in Revelations are discussions about, you know, how they were making clones of the Asgard. Um, oh, okay. And they continue. So Thor would be downloaded into a clone of Thor and Freyr would be downloaded into a clone of Freyr and so on. And that's what they meant by a measure of immortality. And therefore each is slightly different. And that is how SG-1 can tell the difference. Because there's also that moment when, you know, Freyr came to 
SG to the SGC and Sam was like, Frere, what are you doing here? And it's like, how can you tell them apart? Um, so, so it's not one single body that's being cloned over and over and again, but each Asgard has their own body that's being cloned. Mm. Which I like that. I mean, it does explain how you can tell them apart visually because there are visual differences like in the various puppets that are used as Asgard on the show. So right. I think, I think that works as a, as a viable explanation for that. I do like that then. Did they discuss, and I completely forgot how old the individual Asgard people are. Cause I mean, I know they talked about like, we've been doing this for thousands of years and we've been living this way for, th- but they never really say like, oh. how old is Thor? Oh, like, how like the body times- Thor is in or how? Thor himself. Yeah. Like that. forever. Many times has Thor been oh. cloned? No, they do not. Mm-hmm. So, but that'd I- be a fun thought experiment, wouldn't it? Because I like this concept of downloading Thor into a new Thor. How many Thors have there been? What do you do with an old Thor? Right. Yeah. Well, they say, let me see, because I still have my notes on the episode. Um, (laughs) That's an interesting Trying to find, like, so 30,000 years ago was when that ship got sent out from the Asgard homeworld that they found that still had the sort of Asgard-human hybrid-looking dude in the pod that they they found. the genital parts that we didn't see. Yeah. Immediately. Yes. So, okay. so that was 30,000 years ago. And I imagine like Thor Frere are from that like 30,000 years ago civilization. Oh man. No wonder why they have no patience. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You can't even go with the, vampire logic of all of the you know sexy vampire stuff that you see on <laughs> earth tv where they're like i'm a thousand years old like no try thirty thousand years old try thirty thousand we have we we're we're done with everybody we got no time for you we're thirty thousand years old go away yep. no. <laughs> we have no time for you but we have nothing but time it's weird isn't it but go with it, it. is yes so yes. i'm gonna go with thor is at least thirty thousand years old plus mm-hmm. probably a few centuries that's his crazy pants but I like yeah. it I like yeah. I like this very much of downloading into a new clone of yourself I never yes. really thought about it either way I didn't either really but that does I mean yeah I like it it makes sense to us so cool yeah, yeah. cool thanks Maverick yay um, okay then another comment from Ayama88 uh, they say overall I think that season 5 was pretty solid me too Mm-hmm. I guess I do have one question that might be worth discussing, and it's about episode 17, Failsafe. Do you remember that one? <gasps> Refresh one, me. It's the one where they're on the asteroid, hit the ship, and they have to, like, oh, the asteroid yes. was sent by Anubis and isn't an actual asteroid. Yes. Um, okay. Once they discovered that the asteroid wasn't a natural disaster, do you think that they passed on that information to the Tok'ra or the Asgard, and could the Tok'ra or the Asgard actually do anything about it? Oh, like hey, they've kind of sort of violated the treaty or, hey, be aware that this happened to us or how would they have passed it along? Right. I mean, well, they did finally, you know, get in touch with the Asgard as we saw in the last episode. So I imagine that is something they would want to make the Asgard aware about. And as far as do anything about it, I'm not sure if they mean do anything about it as in, hey, go after the Gould Fort, or hey, this is a dangerous flying object that's still in the solar system. Can you please get rid of it? 
like actually do something about getting rid of the asteroid because it's still like flying through space can could possibly potentially still do damage somewhere depending on its trajectory you know that's right because they sent it straight through the planet yes Hmm. I just love that conversation of, hey, so we have this asteroid that we think Anubis sent straight for us. Um, Pretty sure uh, we need help with it. Okay, what'd you do with it? We sent it through the planet and then sent it on its merry way. So it's still out there somewhere. It's it's not any imminent danger threat to us, but should probably still not be in existence. Can you please get rid of it? Yeah. It's not <laughs> meant to be here. Yeah. And you can just see Thor going, you you sent it through your planet? Through your planet. Okay. <laughs> sure. You're crazy of humans. Why not do that? Yeah. Oh, you wacky humans. And wacky Earth idea. humans. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how much the help the Tok'ra would be at this point because there's like 10 Tok'ra left or something. But I imagine they at least told Freyr or Heimdall about it when they actually got in like actual, hey, talking to an Asgard situation mm. at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I That's what I think. the Asgard would have been like, oh, yeah, they tried that with us once. Or, you know, something. <laughs> this is what they do. That's crazy cool. Those trying to get around cool. everything. Oh, well, wacky Gould. What are you going to do? Oh, well. (laughs) Okay. So that's comments about season five. Yay. I liked it. Thanks, everybody. Um, Also, uh, congratulations to Tanith on your recent engagement. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. We're very happy for you. Being married's awesome. Yay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage is great. Marriage is great. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Way to go. Yes. Um, okay, shall we move on to season six? Okay. Okay. So this is, again, Redemption Part 1. It originally aired on June 7th, 2002. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood. And on the commentary, we have Martin Wood and James Titchener. And the old folks. Yep. Do you suppose by the end of the commentary, they, commentary, they were like, oh, this again. I have to talk about more. Okay. I think Martin really likes talking about it. Because <laughs> he's always like, he, he, yeah, Martin, he's a very good commentator, I will say. Martin Wood is really good at doing commentary. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So you if have... you have not listened to any commentaries, like, go listen to him. Especially, like, Martin and, like, Peter DeLuise, too. Like, Peter's great at everything. But, yes. Do you have a favorite movie and or show commentary that that you just love to listen to of like, I'm really happy I did that because that made this movie so much better. I mean, it might just have to be Tropic Thunder because Robert Downey Jr. does stay in character like he says in the movie. He's not dropping character until the commentary is done. That's right. I've actually never listened to it. (gasps) Oh, do it. You must because he does. He stays in character. Through the commentary. <laughs> oh, so who else is on that commentary? I I don't. I mean, it's been so long since no. I've listened to it. I don't. Forever. I don't know. But, oh man, I'm gonna have to go look that up because yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, and I mean that's the first. I mean, it's been so long since I've listened to any movie commentary because 
everything is streaming now and those don't always come with this commentaries aren't so much a thing anymore um so like modern podcasting anyway yeah kind of so yeah it's been a while since I've listened to yeah like movie commentaries but that's always Mm -hmm. a good one yep (gasps) all right I'm gonna have to go look at that was an excellent answer well done thank you I occasionally have those (laughs) (laughs) today was one of those days yay (laughs) 10 points for me all right (laughs) Uh, Okay, so in this episode, SG-1 faces two potential disasters light years apart as an energy buildup in the Stargate threatens to destroy Earth, and Tilk returns home to find his wife dead, his son estranged, and his planet under attack. Boo. Oh, um, so one of the other sort of interesting things from the commentary about this season as a whole is that this was the first season that was specifically broadcast in the widescreen format. (laughs) Oddly enough, I watched the Amazon Prime version, which was mm-hmm. not widescreen. Really? It was not. It was tiny. Huh. Interesting. That's very strange. I wonder if that has to do something with the syndication cut and editing done for syndication airing. Maybe. Yeah, but that's very so strange. That's very strange. Because I, I just watched the DVD because I have to watch it anyway for the commentary. So. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, then. All right. So, Way to go, Amazon. Go, Amazon. Um, there's uh, there's may- some news, maybe, on Amazon, apparently. Um, so the sort of integrated in Amazon Prime Video, the streaming side, there's this service called Freevee, which I believe used to be called IMDb TV. It's sort of like a like a station, a channel, if you will, like how you can watch like stars via Amazon Prime if right. you want. There's this other one called Freevee, which is it's free there. It's ad supported, but it's free. You don't even need like an Amazon Prime account to access it. They will apparently be starting a 24 hour Stargate channel. That's apparently just going to be airing Stargate around the clock. So I don't know if that's going to have any impact on the availability for it as far as like on-demand streaming. Like, can I go still go to like Amazon Prime and watch season five, episode two? I don't know. But something to keep an eye on in the in the coming months, I imagine. Okay. But yeah. Anyway. The ever-evolving internet. Yes. Okay. So this episode starts and we're off world and we see Jack being helped in a very hurried manner down some like sand dunes by another SGC member who we learn is a possible replacement for Daniel Jackson. And they're like running back to the gate and Jack's like dial the gate because Sam and Tilk are still back at the gate because the natives on this planet are not friendly (laughs) at all. (laughs) What, wait, what's the thing that the guy says? Like, I'm sorry, I thought they wanted to smoke the peace pipe. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's so cute. No. Yeah. Um, so, fun fact, uh, Jack's injured knee is because Richard injured his knee, like, two weeks before production started. <laughs> ah. So, Jack's not supposed to be injured, but he had to be because Rick hurt himself. Okay. In, like, the cutest way possible. It's like... He was carrying his daughter and, like, turned too fast and just, like, tweaked his knee. Aww. <laughs> like, so it wasn't, like, skiing or, like, the hockey or, like, anything, you know, man sport related or something. He was just, like, carrying his daughter and, like, fell and, like, injured his what knee. Is, like, I blew out my back sneezing. Oh. Yep. One of those. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, so back at the SGC, they get the incoming wormhole and it's SG-1's IDC with a code red attached. And I don't remember ever hearing that before, that like it's this IDC and it's code red. I guess that would be some indication of, you know, bad, hurry, please let us through quickly kind of thing, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Which I like, yeah. Um, So everybody comes through and then we get like a spear that follows them and lands on the floor near Hammond's feet. And we see the new guy has a couple darts in him and then he passes out. Uh, Luckily, he's just unconscious. He'll be fine. Uh, But this this guy's not going to work out. It doesn't look like. And Sam also suggests to Hammond that they classify P2X374 as unfriendly. And Hammond then tells Sam that he got a call from Area 51 and it's done. Hmm. What? As we go to the opening credits. It's like, what, what is it? What is it? What's done? Yes. Um, also from the commentary, apparently that spear, like the spear as it flew through the gate was CG. But apparently Martin wanted to just chuck an actual spear <laughs> through the gate. And J- so James Titchener, who's the other guy on the comment, he's like, you want to just throw a spear at the main cast. That was never going to happen, Martin. No. Um. <laughs> How very method of you, but so, no. Yeah. No. Um, okay, so since you watched this on Amazon, what opening credits did you have? Because on the DVD, it is a new opening credit sequence. Oh, that is an excellent question that I can't tell you because I skipped them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will I will tell you next week. <laughs> okay, um, because this on the DVDs, this is where we get, like, instead of the, like, sort of slow pan over the statue of, I think it's Anubis, or Ra. I think Statue of Ra is the sort of um, very close, very high res gate spinning action, which is cool as the names like scope over. And then it ends with like a shot of the team like walking through the gate as we get the final sort of. Well, that totally makes sense for new network, new intro. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it makes sense for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the other interesting thing in the commentary, so sort of as the credits were rolling, Martin sort of talked about this being the first real episode without Michael Shanks slash Daniel Jackson in it and how Rick, Amanda, and Chris thought all of their characters should deal with it and some of the conflicts that came up then in the script because of how their characters were supposed to do certain things or behave in certain ways and that didn't always mesh with what the actor thought. So that was some of the difficulties that they had of like trying to come to an agreement on what like Sam's attitude should actually be or, you know, how they should, mm-hmm. while the script says certain things, it's like, well, how do you say that thing? And trying to, right. Yeah. Adjust as they were go about shooting. I also kind of got the feeling that as many people as they brought back was kind of to distract from whatever void you know, Michael Shanks would have created that they're like, look, no, there's this guy, there's this guy. Like, there's nothing missing. We're still here. We're still going. We're still getting it done. And I I just kind of had that feeling of like, okay, you're, you're, this is, this is a distraction. Um, Yeah. Not bait and switch, but you know, the other than distraction, I'm not thinking of the proper magician's term, but the sleight of hand, like misdirection, misdirection. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Misdirection. Exactly. Like, look over here. Not Mm -hmm. over here. Look over yeah. there. Sorry. Wait. Do, yeah. do you watch? Do you watch Drag Race? No. Oh. Look over for everybody that watches Drag Race. Look over there. You'll know what I mean, and you'll be laughing your asses off. Okay. okay. Anyway. <laughs> Is that something they do of telling him to look? It was it, no. It was it was it was from one of the challenges, and anyway, 
If you watch the show, you'll get it. You'll be laughing. And if you do watch the show, please write in and tell me that you understood my reference anyway. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. So we come back from the opening credits and we see that Jonas Quinn has actually settled into Daniel's office and kind of taken it over as his own office. Looking very nice and camo green. Mm -hmm. I love the end of the end of the scene. I love his little comment, which we'll get to it in a second. Okay. Um, so Sam comes to check on him and like, so FYI, Jonas loves the weather channel. <laughs> just, just <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So funny. It's just because it's one of those things. It's like, you know, we don't get it, but he's an alien. Like, of course, it'd be fascinating to him. Anyway. Um, so they talk briefly about the various possible January replacements that SG1 has gone through. And they, we, we, they've gone through nine. They've gone through nine. Oh, other Stargate SGC members. <laughs> if you include so, the one guy who lasted for two hours. Recap me on the circumstances at which Jonas was there. Did he ever return to his planet and come back or did he have to just like, because I remember him at the end of his last appearance, you know, giving mm-hmm. them the Nequadria and being like, I can't, I'm out. I can't go back for this. You know, like that kind of attitude. But I don't remember if he did. And like, I don't remember if he stayed or. I mean, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Once he said, I, ca- I can't go back. He did not go back. And okay. there is an episode later this season where they do go back. And I think we might get some more information All about right. that then. But from what I believe, what I remember from when Jonas appeared on earth, he has been there until now. Okay. Yeah. So somewhere on Earth, and then they allowed in the allowed he's him been in the SG. I I'm assuming like Tilk, he's been stuck in the SGC since he got here because oh. especially of his like yes please get me out of the base because Sam's like hey do you want to go see Nevada and he's like oh my god yes please that would be amazing. What a and raw give, deal. I know. <laughs> Gives her the weather forecast for Nevada too, which is funny, but yeah. So he's super stoked to be able to get out of the base, go see Nevada. So Sam goes to leave and then he's like, hey, how do I know like what color to wear? Referring to their like the BDUs that they wear on base, like the the khaki green, like the olive green or the blue. And it's just like, yeah, how do they know? How do you know? It's a very <laughs> legit question. To which question. the fact that like Amanda just kind of buttons the scene and like, oh, you're so cute, like smiles at him in that kind of way and then just leaves. Like, no, no, he was asking an actual question. I know, but <laughs> there is when it goes back on Jonas, you hear off camera Sam say we call each other in the morning. And I wanted to know if that was something that they added in post because it just it sounded off, just like the the audio quality oh, of it. Okay. But they didn't like they, they didn't mention that in the commentary. So I don't know, but I'm just which I would have been fine without the we call each other in the morning comment because it's dumb and is stupid and doesn't need to be there. They should have just left it with Sam kind of smiling and leaving. Like that's enough. Just leave it at that. Well, that seemed no, but no. Her- I'm glad there was something, because if there was nothing, I'd be like, but no, he he was asking you a question. Like, it's not like, oh, you're you. (laughs) I know. But also, it's kind of like, you're not on SG-1, so it doesn't matter what color you were, because you're not on our team, I think. There's also that kind of bit of like, "Mm, that's cute, but you don't need to know, because it doesn't matter, because you're not on our team. Well, I mean, we don't know if they, because he's not wearing street clothes. So obviously he's wearing some sort of uniform something. Yeah, they're called BDUs. Right, so he's required to wear 
something. So, yeah. Or is he just wearing that because he came to Earth with, like, a small backpack that had one change of clothes in it? And so they just give him stuff to wear, like scrubs. I would have thought if he was on the base for that long, they would have given him, if he didn't have to wear specific clothes, they would have given him, like, here's what we wear here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Can we have a a shopping (laughs) montage with Jonas Quinn, please? Can Sam (gasps) and Fraser take him shopping? No, no, Teal needs to take him shopping. (laughs) Oh, that's even better. Oh, my God. Teal needs to take him disguise shopping. (laughs) (laughs) You are an alien, Jonas Quinn. You must attempt to blend in. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God, that would be so good. Oh, somebody, (laughs) please, somebody write that fic. If If it exists, please tell me about it so I can read it because I want that. I need that in my life and I didn't know until right now (laughs) that's fantastic okay okay all right (laughs) moving on so we see SG-1 and Jonas enter a hangar in Nevada where there's where there is a ship that looks eerily similar to the uh, oh so fondly remembered X-301 yes yes and so this is apparently the thing that's done that Hammond was telling Sam about so the scientist, Dr. Murphy, and his team apparently got this completed way ahead of schedule, and it's all thanks to the Nequadria that Jonas was able to give them. Um, also, by the way, there's no way Jack's taking this thing on a test flight. <laughs> and, this is, and Dr. Murphy's like, that's why you're here? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, then why are you here? Uh, awkward. Anyway, uh, Sam and, the sci- and Dr. Murphy, they assure Jack that while the previous craft was a completely repurposed, you know, ghouled death glider, this ship, the X-302, is entirely man-made, entirely crafted with Earth parts, with the exception of the Nequadria. It is, like, retro-engineered ghouled technology, but there are no ghouled parts in this thing. So it should be totally fine. Nothing to worry about as far as, like, what happened with the X-301 and that happening. Again, maybe, like, not going to happen. Alrighty then. Yeah. And so the other thing is this ship is super awesome because it has four engines in it. It has, like, standard jets for in-atmosphere flight, what they call modified aerospikes for high-altitude flight, a rocket booster for, you know, when they're not in the atmosphere. And then Jonas is like, what about the fourth one? Apparently... This little tiny ship has a hyperspace window generator in it, which is like, what? Because that's not even something the Gould are able to get their death gliders to do because like the Gould hyperspace window generator is apparently massively huge and can't fit on a death glider. But because of the Nequadria and because it's super powerful, apparently we are able to make a hyperspace window generator small enough to fit on a little ship. Fantastic. Yes. Um, according according to the commentary, the original script actually just had this scene with, like, everybody standing in the door looking at the ship. But then Martin was like, no, I want them, like, climbing on it and sitting in it and, like, shooting in it and stuff. So they had to be, like, production had to be like, fuck. So, because the only part of that <laughs> ship that exists, like, is the cockpit. Like, yeah. and even just, like, the top of the cockpit. There's not even, like, a, like, the bottom of the ship is, like, all CGI, too. So they had to, like... They knew they were going to have to, like, shoot in it at some point, but then they had to, like, move it to that location to shoot there. And they were like, ugh. But Make Martin, it so. But it was like, that was a very good decision. So I'm glad that he made them do that. So so do you think that Jonas should have been a little miffed at all? That, like, they promised to take the Nequadria and build 
shields with it and instead they're building like a plane well we said we would build defense technology i don't know if it was i don't remember if it's specifically shields that were mentioned or if it was just with the nequadria we can do for example things such as this and you know. Something is sticking out in my brain is that it was shields because one of the stipulations was they were supposed to share any sort of developing technology with okay. his planet. Well, let me see. I still have my notes from the season five finale. So let me see if I can find out. Wait, no, that's not that one. Wrong episode. I want the episode where Daniel dies. Uh. <laughs> He wants the SGC to promise to share any defense technologies they may develop out of experiments with the Nequadria. That's what I have okay. in my notes. So, yeah, I mean, it may have been something like they said, shields as something an example. They threw out there. Yeah. But I don't think it was like, we will specifically only build shields. So, okay. and I, for me, like this thing, the X302, like this was probably being built since they started working on like the X301. So it was probably something almost done that they could put the Nequadria to use in more quickly to see how it actually works and its efficacy and usage. And is this going to do what we think it's going to do without having to wait a couple more years for other things to be able to put the Nequadria into to be built, you know? Okay, so. I'll go with it. Okay. Okay, so... Back at the SGC, Colonel Chekhov is in from Russia and reminding Hammond about the agreement between the two countries. They are then interrupted by Jack, who tries not to interrupt them, but Hammond insists that Jack interrupts them. And the other thing that Chekhov was there for was to try and insist that a Russian soldier be the new fourth member of SG-1. And that will happen over Jack's rotting corpse. <laughs> I like that they still have that as a as a storyline element, though, that... The, the other characters are like, hey, we're supposed to be communicating. We're supposed to be talking. This is supposed to be our thing. Yeah. You're not doing it. Yes. <laughs> so um, Chekhov is dismissed and Hammond agrees with Jack in a way. No, there won't be a Russian on SG-1. But Hammond does believe that Daniel provided a very valuable service to the team with his knowledge and also kind of specifically his like outsider, his non-military sort of outsider point of view on situations so Hammond is insisting that they have a fourth member but no it won't be a Russian okay Jonas goes to visit Sam and thanks her for letting him see the x302 and it's just because Hammond told her to do so and she also gives him like a large spiral bound notebook with all of the information on the ship and he then tries to plead his case to join SG-1 He's studied all of Daniel's materials. He's physically fit. He wants to help. He wants to be out there, like, continuing Daniel's fight and helping rid the galaxy of the ghoul. And Sam's like, that's that's just not going to happen. Like, mm, no. Um, and so here in the commentary, this is sort of one of those scenes where this was shot before the scene at the very beginning where Sam went to Jonas's office. So, he, this and it was actually, I think, one of the first scenes they filmed, really. So... Sam is a lot colder to Jonas in this scene, if you notice, than she was at the beginning because they were still working out how how Sam actually feels about Jonas being there and having to, like, quote unquote, work with him and all of this stuff. So if you notice right. that sort of discrepancy of attitudes sort of going back and forth, like it's, you know, because TV shows are shot out of order and they're still working things out at the beginning mm -hmm. of the season. So, yeah, they get it figured out eventually. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Winky, winky, nudge, nudge. <laughs> so we then see Jonas sparring with Tilk in the gym on base. And 
just this scene is just it's so funny it's so just ridiculous and funny um and he's trying to get Tilk to talk to Jack for him because Jack won't talk to Jonas because Jonas has rightly surmised that Jack blames him for what happened to Daniel and like throughout this whole scene like they're boxing and Tilk keeps knocking Jonas down and Jonas just like keeps popping popping back up and it's just like it's it's so funny it's so funny um but like Tilk doesn't like agree to talk to Jack on behalf of Jonas. Like he still wants Jonas to talk to Jack himself because he thinks that's really the only way that this is going to like work. Which is true. It is. Yes. Uh, we then cut to the commissary where we see Tilk join Jack at a table and Tilk has just massive tray of food. Like it's just, it's, it's just, it's too much food. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, and we see Jack looking over like personnel files for their possible new team member Jack still doesn't think they need a fourth and Tilk mentions Jonas and Jack's just like, but he's an alien. <laughs> Tilk, Tilk, which they talk about this in the, and it's really interesting. It's like, because Tilk has been there for so long, you forget Tilk's an alien. Like, oh, you know, it's just, it's so easy to forget. Like even like Chris and Rick, like the actors, they forget, oh yeah, Tilk's not like from earth because yeah. he's just been there so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if that's actually part of the reasoning of why they never put into the permanent storyline of having Teal'c's forehead thing removed is because they always want that reminder of like, oh, yeah, he's not from <laughs> one here. of these things is not like the other. Possibly. Yeah, could be. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin did also mention in the commentary that his favorite line in the episode is in the scene. And it's when Jack says Hammond is insisting SG-1 needs a sociopolitical nerd to offset our overwhelming coolness, which is a very <laughs> good line. That's a very good yeah. line. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there's then an unscheduled incoming traveler. They run through the halls and it's Braytac. And apparently Dreyak, Tilk's wife, is very ill. And Tilk just like looks at him and Hammond's just like, go, just go. You don't need to just go. It's fine. Yep. So Sam then brings Jonas and any new viewers to the show up to speed on Tilk's entire past and everything that has happened with his family up to now. Like the whole, you know, betraying Apophis and why his family's there and not here and blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then Colonel Chekhov comes across them in the hall and yells at Sam for not telling him about the X-302. So apparently Chekhov is just there to be like yelly in this episode. Mm -hmm. So I just had a random thought that Mm -hmm. I hope. I keep with me for the season. So, you know how we always kind of talk about the character of Jack is supposed to be like the everyman thing. Yes. Like he's kind of supposed to be the audience asking the audience questions and all this stuff. And in that regard, they kind of dumbed him down. Mm-hmm. Since you literally have an alien new to the planet asking all of the questions that mm-hmm. audience members could ask, do you suppose, I don't remember if mm-hmm. they, if they really change Jack's character to smart him back up a bit, or if they still keep him, if they still keep him being like, why, what do we think? You know, the everyman. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think that will be, that will be something interesting for us to keep in mind. Yeah. As we go through the season, like does Jack get to be smart again for a little bit at least? (laughs) Cause I don't really remember. I don't, I don't, I can't tell you that I do either. No. Yeah. And so back to Hammond's office where yelling about the X-302 continues and Hammond tries to argue that the ship is not Stargate related technology, which I mean, I don't. And, you know, Chekhov's like it uses the Quadria, which came from not here. Um, 
Luckily for Hammond, they're interrupted by an incoming wormhole, unscheduled off-world activation. Yeah. So down in the control room, the gate's connected, Iris is still closed, and they're getting uh, no- nothing. There's nothing coming through. There's no IDC, there's no radio signal, there's no nothing. And Jack's like, is it the ghoul trying to block the gate like they have before? And no, and there's nothing. We don't know. On, there's, well, no, there's nothing on like deep space radar. So there's no like ships incoming. Mm-hmm. So this is just weird. So, okay, Sam's going to work on trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Hmm. And then we cut to Chulak, where Braytech and Tilka have arrived. And it's it's not really great. They're, like, in camps and, like, food's not great. And it's really not the best of living conditions, unfortunately, going on right now. Tilk tries to insist that Dreyak be moved to the new, like, SGC off-world outpost. But Braytech, like, she's too sick to even do that. She's apparently... Her, her like, uh, symbiote has matured and is refusing a new symbiote. So, basically, she's just, she's dying because there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about that. And then Ryak comes out of the tent, yells that, like, how dare Tilk show his face? His mother is dead because of him. Like, and we didn't even see her. What? Hmm. So, back at the SGC, Sam has no idea what's going on. Maybe it's a malfunction. Maybe somebody, like, butt-dialed Earth on accident but um usually if you know somebody does a gate and nothing goes through the event horizon it shuts down after a couple minutes and all they can do now is wait for the 38 minute mark to happen because no wormhole has been connected for longer than 38 minutes and uh hammond mentions if this wasn't an accident can they just dial in again once 38 minutes is passed she's like yeah but i programmed the computer to automatically dial the alpha site once it shuts down so hopefully we can get an outgoing wormhole connected before a new incoming wormhole comes in. So the 38 minute mark comes and then it goes and it's still connected and open. And okay. So now, now it's definitely a problem. Yep. And Uh, once again, they can't just unplug it. Nope. That's always my thought of, can't they just unplug it? Nope. <laughs> they tell you that later. <laughs> but that's always where my brain goes. I'm like, mm-hmm. why can't they just unplug it? Because the power comes from off-world. Uh. Um, then we have another, a very great acting by Christopher Judge as he enters Dreyak's tent and just crumbles and starts bawling and like mourn her passing. It's a beautiful reaction. His acting is so good of like kind of having that numb face and then he takes, you know, the veil off and like it's at where you finally see like it's your face, it's you. And he just has that moment of like, "Mm." yeah, it's beautiful acting. It's yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he then goes to try and talk to Ryak and explain that, you know, everything that he's done, he's done for his family. And that's not really any comfort for Ryak because everything that Tilk has done has only brought pain and death to his family. So what good is it? And he then makes a very good point that even if they can be free of the rule of the ghoul, as long as they have to carry symbiotes, they'll never actually really be free. They're, they will always be reliant on the ghoul in some fashion. And Ryak then picks up a staff weapon, aims it at Tilk, who just tells him, fine, shoot me, I don't care. And luckily, Ryak does not fire the staff weapon, but instead he starts to use it to just beat the ever-loving shit out of Tilk, who just basically takes it, because what else can he do? Uh, Back at the SGC, we see Sam and Lieutenant Simmons are still working on figuring out what's going on. And 
Simmons reports an increase in power retention by 0.1%. Sam initially dismisses it as normal fluctuations, and he's just like, well, not for this amount of time. So she then asks him to pull up a specific diagnostic screen, and they kind of zoom in on the graph a few times where they do find... <laughs> Enhanced. I, I totally thought that too. <laughs> Enhanced. It's not but so, was this the first appearance of Simmons since like season one? Yes, or season two. I right. He was one, one of the familiar two. faces. Where I was like, yes. Simmons. And this, this, this is this is also his final appearance. <gasps> oh. yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. See, they brought. <laughs> Misdirection. Yes. Yep. Um, So, yeah. So they enhance the diagnostic screen a few times and they finally actually see a series of uh, like a regular repetition of some kind of blip, a spike in energy at some point. And they are much too regular to just be an error of, you know, space goo coming through the gate or whatever. So something is deliberately being sent through the gate, but it is the teeniest, tiniest amount of something. Mm-hmm. So Ryak is still like kicking the crap out of Tilk when Braytac intervenes and stops it. Braytac then also kind of knocks Ryak down a notch because he's like, "Why are you fighting this this you know great warrior when you've never fought in a battle yourself? Ha ha! You think you know mm-hmm. you think you know what the stakes are, but you don't. But like Ryak doesn't care. All he knows is that it's Tilk's fault that his mother is dead. So Ryak just stalks off, you know, in a teenage huff. God, damn teenagers. Yeah. They don't know. Nope. So back at the SGC, things are, they're, they're just bad. It's bad. There is an energy buildup happening in the gate from those minuscule blips that they saw on the diagnostic screen. And as Sam reminds everybody, the gate is basically a giant superconductor. So if this in- incoming energy continues and they can't shut it off, the gate will eventually explode on the order of like two to 3,000 megatons. So that's big enough to destroy the entire state of Colorado and have... Completely devastating effects for the entire planet and possibly end life as we know it. And um, <gasps> they don't know how to stop it. Oh, man. So this is this is bad. This is bad. Again? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now comes the funeral of Dryak. And, you know, she's on the pyre. Tilk lights it. Ryak storms off at one point and Tilk goes to, like, go after him, but Braytac stops him, and before he can go after him, Braytac sort of starts to explain a bit of, like, what Ryak's been going through to Tilk because Braytac has been there where Tilk has not. And while Braytac understands that Ryak's anger is misplaced, and, you know, he believes that Ryak is still holding on to some doubt about how Tilk actually feels about him after the whole brainwashing that he went through at Apophis's hands several years ago. And Tilk's like, well, why would he think that's like, well, because you've never told him anything different. You've never said anything positive or that you still love him or whatever after that whole situation. And so, and you can just see on Tilk's face, it's like, oh, uh, that's oof. That, that. Braytac is just giving it to everybody this episode. Yep. Mm -hmm. Tilk does finally approach Ryak and tells Ryak about how he was also brainwashed by Apophis. So the fact that Ryak was also brainwashed doesn't make him weak and Tilk has never doubted his heart. And he says, you need never win back my trust, my son, for you have never lost it. Just like, beautiful. It's beautiful. And they hug and all is well and they've made up and it's just, it's beautiful and perfect and I love it and it's good. Yay. So here we get another little info dump for new audience members. (laughs) in case you have no idea what's going on. 
So in a sort of series of scenes of people like walking through things and people working on the gate, um, we have like Simmons and another tech and Sergeant Siler having brief, brief conversations to remind the audience about why certain things aren't being done. Like they can't just shut off the gate because the power is coming from off world. They can't use the Russian gate because it would still be on Earth and you can't have two active stargates on the same planet. FYI, in case you have no idea what's going on, here's what's going on and why we're not doing other things. So. <laughs> why we can't do everything that you think we can do. Right. Uh, Sam's up in the control room working on stuff when in walks everybody's favorite asshole, Dr. Rodney McKay. Yay! Yeah. Dude, he's just straight up hostile in this one. No. Like, not even, not even smarmy. He's just like, I'm just going to hate on everybody in this room. Yep. Like, there's no, I wonder if, you know, to prepare for the character, they were like, just don't eat for three days and then come to set. (laughs) And then just have at it. (laughs) Uh, So Russia sent him back to try and help because there's no point in building Naquita reactors for Russia if there is no Russia. So it's like, yeah. uh-huh. And Sam's like, I don't need your help. So he's like, okay, fine. I'm going to go get a donut and coffee. And then Sam gets a phone call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's Rodney for you. Yep. Welcome. Uh, so Chekhov is back yelling some more at Hammond and Jack up in Hammond's office. And Sam comes in to tell them that Dr. Murphy at Area 51 was on the phone. And he can have the X302 ready to go in six hours. And this is their best chance of being able to contact the Asgard, because apparently trying to contact them from Earth has not gone well. Sam and Jack both volunteer to go. And I love how they were like, I thought it was like weeks away, but you could also yep. be like, I thought it was half CGI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does that even work? Yeah. So back on Chulak, we see a cargo ship descending and our three boys go to meet it. And luckily, it is a friendly Jaffa, Shakrell. And he came to tell Braytech to pass on a message to Earth, but luckily Tilk is there to get the message directly. But Earth is under attack from Anubis. <gasps> we knew it. Mm-hmm. Fun we knew fact. It. Yeah. Uh, fun fact here, according to a blog post on Joseph Malati's blog, the role of Shakrell, Shakrell, was originally written for an unnamed NBA star who was a fan of the show and interested in appearing if possible. For whatever reason, the scheduling, like, didn't work out, and they that person was not able to appear, and Joseph Malati would not confirm the name of said NBA star, but if the name of the character is Shaq Grell, it, sh- it shouldn't be too hard to figure out who that was supposed to be. I don't know how much a celebrity cameo would have worked out, though. Yeah. But, I mean, it would have started it off with a bang, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know, but... I don't know about that one. I think that one was for the better. I think so, too. There was also, was there somebody else I saw that, like, had been originally offered the part? Um, oh, also, Keith Hamilton Cobb from Andromeda was then, I guess, originally offered it after the unnamed NBA star was not able to make it. But he had to, mm. he turned it down. So we got the actor we got there, who does just fine. And you're great. Yeah. Okay, so Sam and Jack have arrived at Area 51, and Dr. Murphy reminds them that the target is Abydos and that they have to leave the atmosphere before they can open the hyperspace window. Also, Sam feels the need to remind Jack that even if they can contact the Asgard, the Asgard might not even be able to help. It's like, thank, thanks for the reminder, Sam. Way to be, like, cup half full. Like, <laughs> but I like how he's like, what's your point? And she's like, I don't, I don't really have one. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe another just sort of to temper new audiences' expectations. 
yeah of what might happen yeah so back at the sgc uh hammond and mckay leave hammond's office where they run into jonas who tells them that this isn't going to work he's not specifically a scientist but he's read all the research on the x302 he's dealt with the instability of the naquadria and it's just it's not going to work mckay's like that's what i've been trying to say and unfortunately they don't have any really hard proof or reasoning why to be able to sort of let hammond call off the flight because like this isn't just like a test flight. This is the fate of the world being at stake here. Like if this Again. doesn't happen, there's nothing else to do. So everybody cross your fingers and hope that everything works out. And we get the what, cross your finger, cross what cross it, and you know, McKay explaining crossing your fingers to an alien, which is definitely you know, did it quite well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Sam and Jack are running through their fleet pre-flight checks, and everything looks good. And sadly, the ship doesn't have phasers. Sorry, Jack. Mm. Uh, <laughs> she should have just replied with set to stun <laughs> <laughs> that would have that yeah mm-hmm. that would have been good yeah. Ham, we do get Hammond calling to them over the radio though to mention Jonas's concerns but Sam dismisses them with assurances that they've, that they've accounted for every conceivable scenario and Jack's like it's the inconceivable ones that concern me which like yeah mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. very good point yep but Sam's like there's systems for everything Everything that could go wrong, we've planned for, so but nothing will go wrong. So Abydos 1, which is the name that's been given to the ship, is cleared for flight. And off they go. They get up to Mach 3, and so far, all is well. So, okay, keeping my fingers crossed now. Back on Chulak, Tilk is trying to dial Earth, but it's not working. And this is where Shakrell tells them what's going on. So he had heard that Anubis has a weapon that uses one Stargate to destroy another Stargate. And that's why he came in a ship. And Braytac mentions that as powerful as Anubis has become, he still only has dominion over a handful of planets. So if one of those planets also can't be connected to, that's where the attack is coming from. So let's hope Braytac has a good memory. <laughs> I just thought that I would have loved him to like pull out a little black book <laughs> of addresses. Yeah. So we see Jack and Sam getting higher and higher and like finally exiting Earth's atmosphere. And so it's time to try the hyperspace window. We see the window open and the ship start heading towards it. But as Sam then says, the autopilot engages and tosses them off course. So they miss and don't actually go through the hyperspace window. They are not given the go ahead to try again and instead are instructed to return to the base to figure out what went wrong. Which I like that they were like, okay, this didn't work. Sorry. Yeah. Jack and Sam are back at the SGC and the flight data is still being analyzed. But the main thing that went wrong was that the ship couldn't lock on to the destination after the hyperspace window opened. So it forced an abort. And that is one of the safety features. So that's good that it worked. But they don't know why that happened yet so they don't know how to fix it they thought they made all the necessary adjustments to account for the instability of the naquadria but apparently not and mckay just can't resist snarking and interjecting at every opportunity about you know how they're doing everything wrong but offers no actual solutions to anything so at this point earth is on its own to try and fix this problem come on jonas yeah. Come up with something good because I don't remember how the second half of this ends. So I hope this is his shining moment. I really don't remember how this. I all don't ends. either. I don't okay. either. No. Yeah. Jack then finds Sam in her lab, and she just couldn't think down like in the control room or wherever with all of the other scientists around, and she has absolutely 
no idea what to do about this whole situation. Like nothing. She's just a complete blank. Jack seems confident that she'll pull a solution out of her ass head, her head. She'll pull a solution out of her head like she always does. And Sam's like, do you have any ideas? Because you often see things from a very simple solution. (laughs) He's like, "Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, yeah. mm -hmm." Mm -hmm. Um, But Jack's going to go eat some cake. And Sam's going to join him because why not? And as they start, yeah, it's cake. Why not? As they start to head to the commissary, alarms start blaring and they head to the gate room and the power fails. And then a giant hologram of Anubis appears on the ramp. He threatens them with like the end of days and dramatic threats as the ghoul usually do. And Jack really doesn't give a shit. And it's uh, to be continued. I like that they point out that it's Asgard technology. Yes, that was nice that Sam was like, he must have gotten this from Thor as, you know. Yeah, ties mm-hmm. back in to previous stuff, so mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I have no no remembrance of how this actually ends up, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah, me neither. I don't I mean, I don't mind Jonas, but season six is definitely one of my least rewatched seasons, I will say. Like these episodes are fine, but like when I think about Stargate, I don't really think about season six a whole lot. Except for a couple specific cool. episodes, but so we'll be exploring this together, as it were, of like, oh yes. yeah, we did oh, this yeah, thing. This, I mean, what happened? Yeah. Oh, I'm that's like, right. This is the, this is this. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gonna yeah. be like the lost season of <laughs> Jonas Quinn. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. But yay! yay! Season six is kicked off. It has. So the episode title, Redemption, possibly it's sort of referring to both like Jonas and Tilk. Like Jonas trying to find redemption like from Jack slash the SGC for Daniel, even if he, because I, I think even though, if even if he doesn't feel responsible, I'm sure he still feels bad, you know, about Daniel dying and everything. Well, yeah, um, kind of from the, if you had never come to my planet. Yeah. This wouldn't have happened to you. Yep. Yeah. And like Tilk, you know, trying to find redemption with like Ryak for not being there and doing all of the stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. no fun foreign territory titles. They were all just redemption. So that was kind oh. of boring. I was like, well, that's okay. not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Germany wasn't Jonas Quinn. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. And they're actually, they're all redemption part one. So I'm sure next week will just be, they're all just be redemption part two. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Dang it. That's no fun. <laughs> Or is it, though? <laughs> All the other countries were like, yeah, that's fine. It's fine. That works for us. We know, yeah, we know yeah. what that means. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Any final comments? Me too. I liked it. It was good. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. We'll find the lost season of Jonas Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And now on Discord, please check the show notes for the link. Or you can send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Redemption Part 2. Yay. Bye. Bye.